Hey folks, this episode's a little different from the previous ones in that I'm talking with an acupuncturist rather than a veterinarian. Eric Gray is a good friend who's an experienced classical Chinese medicine practitioner. In addition to the things we talk about on the podcast, Eric has lectured to veterinarians both at the American Holistic Veterinary Medical Association Conference as well as the Midwest Veterinary Conference. When I started practicing holistic veterinary medicine and learning different modalities, I saw that the culture was for practitioners to learn a multitude of modalities in order to have a full range of things to offer a patient. At least in my case, it sometimes seems like a juggling act to balance keeping current in multiple modalities so that I can offer my patients the best care possible. Eric's recent decision to limit his practice was intriguing to me, so I was able to arrange for us to talk about that decision in the context of his professional life to date. Eric Gray, MSOM, is an acupuncturist in Astoria, Oregon. He has a BS in both biology and philosophy from Oregon State University. He got his MSOM from the National College of Natural Medicine in Portland, Oregon in 2009. He and his wife and business partner, Amanda Barp, founded the Watershed Wellness Clinic in the Lads Edition neighborhood of Portland, Oregon in 2009. Eric has also served as adjunct faculty at NUNM. He continued his studies, including an herbal discipleship and clinical training with Heiner Fruhoff, PhD, and as a diplomat of canonical Chinese medicine from the Institute of Classics in East Asian Medicine. While still a student at NUNM, Eric founded the website Deepest Health, which started as a blog about his experience as a classical Chinese medicine student, but now has evolved into not only a blog about his experiences as a practice owner, but also an educational center offering short online courses in topics related to classical Chinese medicine and the business of acupuncture. After building Watershed Wellness to include multiple practitioners, Eric and Amanda decided to relocate to Astoria, Oregon in 2016. They started Watershed Wellness Astoria while continuing to commute to Portland part-time to practice. In 2018, they closed the doors in Portland and have devoted their energy to Astoria full-time since then. Join me for this conversation with Eric as we talk about founding two clinics, running an online business, and the thought process behind his most recent decision to stop practicing acupuncture in order to limit his practice to herbal medicine. Eric, thanks so much for taking the time today. I'm really happy to talk with you today. You know, we've known each other for a while, and and even though you treat uh, bipeds, I think our businesses are really quite similar in a lot of ways. And you've taught me a, a lot about Chinese medicine, which I really appreciate. But um, so I just want to go through some things with your professional life, and you've made some decisions along the way that I've really found uh, interesting. But along with that you've been um, real free to to blog about it and to be real public about your thought process, which is has I personally have found to be really helpful. So I was hoping we could just kind of walk through those things and and you could kind of give your take on on the the decision points you and Amanda have made as you've gone along. Sure. So starting at school, you mean? Yeah, so you graduated in two thousand and nine from NUNM, which was uh, yes. NCNM now. I, for context for everybody else, um, someone they'd recognize who's a graduate from the school is Dr. Steve Marsden, who's a veterinarian and also trained at, at the school that you trained at as well. Right. So take, yeah. so yeah. So what, so when did you guys form uh, watershed wellness in Portland? Yeah, immediately because uh, Amanda had gone to massage school 
just prior to our move to Portland. So, so we had been out of, out of college and hemorrhaging money, you know, at, at that point. And so we really, from that moment, you know, as soon as I entered medical school, it was kind of like, it was kind of fast tracked for me. It was very much a survival thing. You know, it's like we had a young daughter at the time and, um, and it was a recession, right? I mean, so every, everything was falling apart. There were no opportunities. And so it was just kind of like the moment, like I was, we were doing business planning during my fourth year and, you know, like it was very aggressive. It was a very aggressive timeline. Um, so, so yeah, so we started, I mean, we conceived of watershed during that fourth year. And as soon as I uh, graduated, I started doing herbs, um, and acupuncture really soon after because of the way my licensing ended up working i was able to do more herbal stuff first so and it was my passion from the very beginning it was like you know from 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 the very very start you know as soon as soon because i was always a little afraid of needles to be honest you know so that's that's kind of my shtick with uh, uh acupuncture patients it, that, who are hesitant is like i'm actually extremely needle sensitive so from the very start um, you know, I'm foreshadowing this conversation right now, but from the very start, you know, I was very focused on herbs. And so, so I started that out and, uh, yeah, so we, we had a little practice, um, Brant Stickley, who you may or may not know, who's a, uh, acupuncturist and really into the, um, uh, Shen Hammer pulse system. He joined up with us at the very beginning. He was a professor there at NUNM. Um, and so we had, we started there with that little place. So, um, so that's, that's the first point. That was the first, uh, the first stopping point. Um, and it grew. Yeah. Yeah. It did despite itself in a way, because, you know, Portland is not an easy market for acupuncturists. There, there's two schools, um, and one a little higher volume than the other. Um, that's OCOM that, which has also has a, D A O M D S O M. One of those things. Uh, so I adopt, you know, a second, uh, you know, a clinical degree. Um, so there's just a lot of acupuncturists a lot, and a lot of folks coming up and down the I-5 corridor. And then, of course, a lot of people from other places who graduate in other places like the Pacific Northwest or, or are attracted to the many teachers there. Right. So there's just this huge upwelling of, of um, Chinese medicine learning and uh, especially then you know, in like 2010, around that time, it was kind of a, for me, it was kind of like a golden era just with who was there and what was happening. Um, so anyway, the, that's the good thing. The bad thing is that there's just a lot of providers. And so, um, you know, and given the recession and everything that was going on, then it was, it was a tough, I'll be honest, it was a pretty tough environment, um, to, to start out in. Um, but yet we had, we had success, you know, and part of that was Amanda because she's a, she was a massage therapist and at that point had already established herself. Um, so, you know, it's like whenever I'm teaching about business to acupuncturists, I always like to really like preface it to say like, there's a lot of things that helped me along the way and helped us along the way. One of those being that Amanda is an incredible body worker and she was from the very start. She just like has, has that facility. And she built a very strong following right away. So that buffered me a little bit, you know, it, it, buff, yeah. it, it buffered my need to make so much uh, money right out of the gate. And so, um, so she was being really successful and I started to get a little bit of traction. Um, and then we moved into a, a, a neighborhood. So um, I don't know how many people who listen to your podcast are from Portland, but it's uh, this area called Lads Edition, which is this kind of really special neighborhood. Um, real close in in Portland. Um, very, you know, kind of, a, 
you know, upper, upper middle-class professional type neighborhood, lots of big lawns and big houses, you know, it just has a very nice um, vibe to it. Um, and that's kind of where we really uh, put down roots. And we were there until we left Portland entirely. Um, so we were only in the first space for a little while. And once we moved, um, business got more complex, you know, we started bringing on, that was when we made decisions to start bringing people on. Um, that's when we started getting a little bit more serious about our marketing and our branding and stuff like that. Um, you know, so things really started to accelerate. So that was like around, I guess, 2011 or something like that. We started to really take off, but I was also teaching, right? Yes. Yes. So, yeah. So, so I assume you want me to talk about that a little bit. But, yeah, um, yeah. So I started I started teaching at NUNM as soon that first year, the first fall uh, after I graduated, uh, Herbs Lab, and I always wanted to teach. It's you know I before I came to school for medicine, I wanted to be a philosophy teacher, uh, professor, and so I uh, that was my track, and I always wanted to teach, and I always loved being a TA when I was in my first graduate degree. Um, so it was kind of a dream come true because it was like my favorite topic, my favorite school in the world, my favorite city in the world, you know, it was like, I felt, I felt pretty good. And, um, and so I, my teaching responsibilities increased over the years. Um, and that really affected, I'll be, you know, I'll say then this is something that's important. Um, it really affected my practice a lot because I didn't have a lot of energy to, to put towards it, you know? So I was just kind of like, you know, I was doing like one or two days a week and I might see like 10 or 15 patients in a week. And that was a lot for me because I was sometimes teaching like 30 hours a week, you know? So, um, so, so that was that time period. So all that rest of that time in Portland, it was just us growing the practice and, um, learning how to manage employees, which is, as you know, (laughs) a whole deal. And, uh, you know, dealing with tax stuff and just, you know, as, as the business gained complexity, we had to become more, um, able to handle that complexity or we were going to sink. <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah. so we learned, we learned that stuff and, and we did quite well. You know, we, um, we were able to buy a house in Portland, which is not no easy feat now. I don't know that we could to be honest, <laughs> but, um, but, uh, yeah. So, so that's up to that point, you know, what, what, any questions based on no, that? No, no. So let's let's fast forward to uh, you're in Astoria and you see a house for sale. Uh, you mean the story of actually moving to Astoria? You, uh, yeah. So you, you guys are on vacation, right? I mean, yeah. what's what's the backstory? Being, okay. So yeah. So Portland, uh, who any anybody who's been there, you know, it's a great city, um, but it has gone through some growing pains, and so. I was really suffering. I, I, I just, it was just too busy. Traffic was too intense. And so we just start. we start. you know, we kind of opened our mind to being like, Oh, what, what options are there for us? Uh, especially cause our daughter was leaving the house. So she, she graduated around that time. So yeah, we, and we go to coast a lot because I, I used to live on the coast down, down the coast in a town called the Ahots for a while. And like, who doesn't love, the, I mean, who doesn't love the beach, you know? And, um, of course, there's people that don't, and I don't understand that. But, but anyway, uh, so yeah, we were on, and there's these uh, this February fake out that happens out here where we get this beautiful weather in mid February, um, and it's just it's incredible. Like it can be like 65 degrees on the beach, even though inland it'll be like you know 40 or something. It's it's great, and and we were there, and we were just, and it was just like one of those moments, you know, where you just like you just know it's you got you got to make the decision, and somehow I always like in my life that there's just like always those kind of thresholds and it's just like, it's very clear, like, okay, let's go. And as soon as you you go, it just like unfolds, you know, right in front of you. So it was just like, it was like six weeks later we owned a house. 
What year was that? Uh, 2016. We, okay. we, moved, we moved into the house right before the, uh, that election. And what was your plan? What were your plans for the Portland practice when you moved? Interestingly enough, we did not have great plans. It was a little bit of an impulse move. So we knew we needed to make some uh, transitions, but our plan was just to, to uh, remotely manage it uh, and to grow both locations. So we were, you know, that was kind of the direction. We did some business coaching about it. We had some plans, um, but they were pretty loose and we were kind of like leaving it open. Um, most importantly, because of some transitions at school and because of my own needs and because of the commute and everything, I started to transition out of NUNM. So that was also a weird decision point, right? Because all of a sudden I don't have an attachment to Portland. Yeah. So, yeah. So that, that was the beginning of the end for the Portland practice because with me not being there, Amanda cannot run the whole show by herself. So, yeah. Um, so it was just, you know, the, the, it was just a practical thing that happened and that practice just slowly, slowly started to decrease. Um, but we didn't even think we were going to make a practice out here. Like that was yeah. not, that wasn't necessarily in the cards. Um, but we did open in 2017 because there was just such a huge, like, it was so obvious. There was a huge need. There's some great practitioners who are already here, but like any of them you talk to were like, we are so overwhelmed. Like we have way more patients than we have, than we can know what to do with, you know? Um, and also nobody was billing insurance. So, um, mm. you know, in Oregon, uh, most insurance plans cover acupuncture fairly robustly. So, uh, so yeah, so yeah. So we opened the practice in 2017 and then, Oh boy, this is, I think we kept the Portland practice open for about a year. And as I recall, I should, yeah. I, I want to interject here. It was about a two hour commute, right? Yes. Yes. It was a two hour yeah. commute, which Amanda did every single week for almost two years. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's not, it's not an easy commute. It's over the uh, coast range, right? So it's it, in the winter, it's treacherous. <laughs> so you guys were going, I mean, she was doing it, you were doing it sometimes. And, um, and then, so you start in the script, this, uh, new practice from scratch and I looked it up a town of 9,800 people, which isn't a lot of, you know, so obviously you learned a lot of lessons about starting a business. Was it a little easier the second time around? Oh yeah. And, and it was also our fourth location. So like the actual logistical process of doing all the things was yeah. second nature to us. Um, and, and it was also, I mean, I can't even tell you, you know, like it was, I mean, every provider we add is filled to the gills, busting as many patients as they can possibly see with with for sure within six months. Like, and that's for acupuncturists, for massage therapists, two months. Like, it, it's it, it's for me like compared to Portland, yeah. it was amazingly easy. So yeah, the process was easy because we were used to it. Um, but you know, commercial property is real tight in a, in a small town. So yeah. you know, that, so there were things that were challenging, um, but mostly it was much, much easier. So you're trying to start the business from scratch there. You're just, and you're trying to limp along almost. So the decision comes, I think as, as I recall with us talking that the lease came up in Portland. Yeah, it was real natural. Yeah, so we we knew that we were going to have to stay until the end of that lease because there was no way we were going to break that lease for a yeah. lot of reasons. Um, and, you know, it was just kind of, I can't remember how long before, but we told our practitioners, you know, like nine months or something before. It might have been more. 
we knew, you know, once we got to the point where we were needing to think about the lease negotiation and stuff, it was like, there's just no way, like we can't do this. Cause it was, ex- it was expensive. The property was quite expensive. And if you're not, if you're not, you know, if you're not making money, we were basically breaking even on that location. Mm-hmm. So we could keep it going probably indefinitely, but there, the guts weren't in it and it just didn't feel fair to those patients. Right. Because we weren't, we weren't there our hearts weren't there. And so it was just kind of like a box with a bunch of, you know, I mean, the people who were there were awesome people and they were doing their best, but without us there, the energy just, it couldn't hold together. So, yeah. So, so yeah, the lease came up. So we said, we're going to leave. The, uh, the other protection, uh, pr- uh, practitioners were employees. How did, the, how were they? Managed? Uh, let me think about that. Um, we did. We for sure had a couple independent contractors, but everybody else was employees. All the massage therapists were employees. Yeah, we had we had all employees at that point. I'm pretty sure, except for the esthetician. Um, yeah. So yeah, so they were they were employees, and yeah, Amanda is gonna like shake her head if she listens to this because I'm sure I'm getting because she does all that stuff. She does all the HR stuff, so yeah. I I get a little confused. But uh, but yeah, we had some employees and some ICs. Uh, now we're a hundred percent. Uh, employees. So that was just kind of like the transition from our old business to our new business in a way. So, and yeah, if so I'm that, not, it was hard. If I'm not mistaken, there are some, some of the same names I'm seeing on your website from at, at your place now. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like that's the titian. She moved out here. Um, she was a longtime Portland resident and it was just kind of ready for a change. And we're friends and like, there's a close connection. She's always loved and been such a great supporter of the business. And so she decided to make the move out here and she was doing great. I mean, she's doing great actually. Um, and we did have an acupuncturist, another acupuncturist um, who was a student of mine from NUNM who came out to Astorio every two weeks for about a year and a half, I think he did. Um, so he would drive out here or take the bus out here. And um, yeah, he had, a, he had a thriving practice too, but ultimately he decided he needed to stay in Portland just for his own personal life. When the pandemic, it actually was right before the pandemic, but you know, it, it, it wears on you. That commute after a while, even every other week, it, it becomes a little much. So um, yeah. So, yeah. So now we've, but then, you know, once we opened the practice here, we, we realized as like within six months that our space was too small. And um, so then the pandemic happened and we ultimately ended up breaking that lease, unfortunately, because of some conflicts um, and because the pandemic was there, it was a yoga studio. We opened a yoga studio. So it was half yoga yeah. studio. So, so there was a lot of complications there. Um, and so we moved to our new space where we are now, um, right before the pandemic in December of, of last year. Um, and so, yeah, so now we're in our new space and, you know, every time we expand, it's just like right out to the edges of what, of what we, of what we have available. So it's, it's almost, it's a lot to manage, to be honest, you know, just to keep the, keep the flow going and, and not to let the systems get overwhelmed by, by what's going on. So, yeah, so that's, that, that brings us up. And then we closed for three months during the pandemic. Um, and uh, that was its whole own podcast worth of yeah. challenges. And, you know, I mean, you, you learn a lot when you go through stuff like that. And, you know, we learned a lot of things. So, um, so I'm grateful for it. But, but then um, that brings us up to kind of the topic, right? Uh, which, uh, yeah. which is at that time during the pandemic, um, during that three months, that's the longest I've ever not worked ever like since I've 
could work, you know? Um, and it was very destabilizing and, and, and challenging in a number of ways, but also really wonderful because I, I think like what many of us experienced, right? Um, those of us who were able to take any kind of break for, for whatever reason or were forced to, um, when you're not working all the time, like you, th- you think a lot about stuff. And I already think of myself as a person who thinks a lot. So, um, and that's, that's when I started to really think about, cause you know, I'm around 10 years, right. I've been doing this for about 10 years yeah. and uh, a little bit more. And I just felt like it was time for a change and that I needed to, um, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it and I, you know, it, part of it is very, uh, a personal thing, uh, of kind of my personality, you know, who I am. Um, and I just, I find that when I can focus on something, when I can, when I can really attend to a single topic, it, it, it's like the, um, well, I do better, you know, my brain works better. I, I get deeper. I, I have more insights and then it's also just more, um, valuable to me. I, I enjoy it more. And so, um, practicing acupuncture and herbs, I just, for me, those disciplines, they're so different. Like the, the basis of their, uh, treatment strategies, the, you know, we talk about them using the same language, but in some ways there's reasons that we might maybe shouldn't, um, you know, like there's this, this tendency to impose herbal understanding on acupuncture and vice versa a lot, you know, and they're their own traditions and they have their own whole, you know, flourishing literatures. And, um, and so for me, it's like, I always wanted to do right by both. And I just, I just don't want to do that anymore. (laughs) You know, so, so at some point I just decided that, um, you know, to help myself focus more both for my own personal uh, desires and for my professional advancement you know taking the next step i wanted to focus more and and so that's you know so i'm stepping away from acupuncture actively right now um i still have about two dozen patients that i'm seeing and those people are just either folks who are just really attached to me um personally especially my very elderly patients um or folks who have really uh intense mental emotional distress you know for whom a change a practitioner would be too destabilizing, you know? Um, and then, uh, you know, just some other folks that, that I were really working well together. Um, yeah. So, so that's, that's the change and that's kind of the reasoning behind the change, you know, and I will say one more thing, which is that, you know, for me, the lineage is so important and, um, I never really attached to an acupuncture lineage. Uh, you know, it never, it just wasn't part of my, um, I had great acupuncture teachers. They're wonderful people. And it just never, it just never clicked for me. And so, um, but with the herbal lineage, I I did a seminar, gosh, two years ago. One doesn't know about time anymore, but (laughs) it was a while back. I went to Canada for this um, uh, thing with the Institute of Classics and East Asian Medicine, um, a Shanghai Lun retreat. And it was like a very profound, you know, experience. And of, of lineage transmission, you know, a, a real sense of like, okay, this is, this is right, you know? And so, uh, that I added, I think to this, the pressure, you know, to, to be like, I really need to attend to this a hundred percent. So. We should, uh, I should point out that you've since graduation, you've been pretty, um, aggressive about your continuing education. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. My wife can attest to that. Um, yeah. And I think, 
<laughs> birds of a feather flock together. <laughs> um, but uh, yes, I, especially with the Institute of Classics in East Asian Medicine, which is my teacher Arnaud's um, uh, school, I guess. I don't know what we call ourselves exactly, but um, he, he does a lot of teaching all over the world. There's a bunch of different uh, chapters of it. And of course, all the teaching is remote now. Um, you know, there's been a lot of disruption in everybody's seminar type um, uh, businesses and stuff. So, um, but it's, it's worldwide and, um, and he's doing really good work um, to preserve the tradition and then add to it, you know, to, um, to elaborate on it um, in ways that make sense for now. And then of course with Heiner um, at classicalchinesemedicine.org and then some of his live stuff, although mostly I interact with him online now, we live very far apart now. <laughs> um, so those are, those are the two main sources of, uh, of continuing education, but yeah, I've been, I've been aggressive. And <laughs> um, I suppose in, at the position the practice is in at this point, you've got how many other people there that can do acupuncture? Right now, uh, there's only two other acupuncturists, um, yeah. but they're, uh, yeah, one's very specialized and then one's an NDLAC, a naturopath as well. Yeah. So you've you definitely had, you know, new clients could be shuffled off to those people with no Yeah. Issue. I mean, so yeah, that was the other piece of the puzzle, which was uh, Todd is, and in particular, who's our newest, uh, I guess not our newest, our second newest practitioner now. Um, he came here from Colorado and just reached out to us and was not wanting to start his own business after having owned one for 10 years and uh, is a great acupuncturist and loves acupuncture and, and really he respects herbs and he, he does know some herbs, um, but that's not his focus. So we were kind of a per perfect mirror of each other. And he does Korean hand acupuncture yeah, um, and is just getting phenomenal acute pain, pain results, which is the thing I treat the worst of all things. And so it was just kind of a per, and I was like, well, I'll just give all those patients to you. And it's worked beautifully. Nice. So yeah. how do you see your, how is your day to day going to change now that you're just, we do, Obviously, with COVID, you'll probably do some online, some telemedicine, but um, how will the flow of your workday change? Yeah, it's interesting. So um, what I've also done, because I'm trying to focus, refocus on teaching and to re-enter that stream and also to do some writing, I've actually kind of restricted my clinic schedule overall. And the biggest change, I would say... Um, other than just for me at the end of the day of seeing all herbs patients, it's much less uh, energetically draining for me than seeing that equivalent of acupuncture patients, just because of all the hand hands-on contact for me that it can be quite draining. And so, um, so I feel much more energetic at the end of the day. Um, but the flow is very similar. It's just a little faster because, you know, I don't have to let the patient rest. It's mostly just pulse conversation. I have 50 minute appointments as well as hour long appointments, which are mostly just new patients. So it's a little bit of a different, you know, there's a, there's a little bit more speed to it in some ways. Mm -hmm. um, and what else? Um, I do more teaching because I'm having people do home treatment, like with press tax and moxa and stuff like that. Um, so I do more of that kind of, so it's actually, I thought it was going to be less talking, but it's actually more talking, <laughs> but, um, but you know, again, so now, and now it's like, since I'm talking about herbs so much more every day and I, I don't have to divert to think about acupuncture. Um, it's like, I swear, man, like a couple weeks in, it was like the, the, I like dropped in, you know, and I started to really 
feel like I was in the flow. Um, so, so things, my days go by much faster now for me. Like, it's just, I'm just in the stream and then I get out and I'm like, Whoa, <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> Um, before we started, before we started recording, we chatted about this a little bit, but I, part of my fascination with this is that, uh, like we were saying as veterinarians, we a lot of times feel a push to get trained in as many modalities as possible. And I just find the idea of, of finding that one thing that resonates with you and making that your thing just really fascinating. Yeah. I mean, and it, again, like I think we were talking about then, you know, it has pros and cons of course, um, you know, the, I'm starting to see what the acupuncture was doing for me, right? So there's there's definitely certain things that my my patients were benefiting from with acupuncture. That so so I'm starting to have to, from a business perspective, figure out like how can I um, more closely um, work with the acupuncturist so that it's not because I don't want people to feel like they have to see two separate people all the time. So mm-hmm. you know, so it's it's kind of provoked me to have to to do some investigation there, but. So that, you know, there's, there's definitely cons to it, but, but for me, the depth is it's cause it's just, I just sit around and think about this all day, you know, every day, but I totally see the, the value of the Swiss army knife approach, right? Because, because sometimes herbs are not the thing that's all there is to it. And you would think in a small town, right? Small in small towns, there's a tendency towards that hetero, you know, that, that, uh, having like you have a coffee shop. That's also the oil change place. And it's also the dentist's office and, you know, and there's apartments above and, you know, and because, because you're responding to the needs of the community and you kind of knit together this business. Um, so I do think there's that tendency, but, but I just, you know, I don't know. It's, um, yeah, it's, it is fascinating. Now you're making me think about it a little too much, but, um, <laughs> but it, you know, it, it is, um, you know, and there, I did think about like, am I going to get bored? You know, like, am I, am, am I at some point going to reach the end? But like, you know, and I know that that's not possible. Like, it's like a fractal, you know, it's like you go into it and all of a sudden it's like, I mean, I, I, I wish I could show you my screen right now because I'm, using this new software of course of course i am and uh and it's i can't even i'll I'll send you a screenshot and you can share it maybe but it's mapping out the knowledge that i have about chinese herbs and um and it feels that way it's like i'm seeing so many more connections and um and it's just because of that uh ability to have that depth of focus so um, we'll see though we'll see you know talk to me again in, in a year and see if i'm crawling up the walls because i have learned everything there is to know about uh, I can't see that happening. <laughs> I, and c- you correct me if I'm wrong, but the other thing I'm sensing is that this, uh, not only the, I would think mostly the focus, but uh, the extra bandwidth that's been freed up has, will allow you to drift back into teaching more aggressively. Yeah. Yep. And, and writing, you know, and there's, I have, uh, you know, that whole side interest of uh, philosophy of science and and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, I'm, I'm having a little bit more space to do that. And it's incredible. You know, like I, I tell you, like if you would have told me 10 years ago that I would be where I am today, I would not have believed you because it would just have seemed impossible, you know, because there have been so many steps. I mean, we just walked through it. And of course we all know that that's like a super simplified version. Um, you know, all the lumps you take along the way when you own a business and when you're in practice, I mean, right. Like it's complicated. And so it's been, it's been such a long, um, 
such a long, a, a long road, but to get here and to be in the place where I feel, you know, I do feel supported enough and that I can make it work, you know, um, to just focus on this one tiny little thing in this tiny little town. If I can do it, I'm definitely going to have to write a book about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, did you, do you feel like you were experiencing burnout in any way? Oh yeah, man. The, just because of the energetics of it, you know, and, and I, I know it's not, that that's not true for everyone, but for me, like just hands-on work with patients and being there with them and holding space for them and, and then being needle phobic. And so constantly having to touch this thing and do this thing, which for me on the other side, I don't like, it was very draining. And so, so I was definitely burning out. I was seeing, you know, for me, it was a lot. I was seeing like 40 patients a week before uh, COVID and because I was trying to push my volume just to see what I could do, you know, and, and there was interesting things I learned about myself with that, but I definitely was, I was not, I wasn't taking very good care of myself. You know, it was kind of, I was just kind of breaking down. And so that, you know, it's like COVID couldn't have happened at a better time for me in that way, because it it forced me to pause and I was not happy about it. I'll be honest, but, but it, it did force me that to examine that and, you know, who knows what benefits that's going to have for me in the future. Cause I, I don't know, you know, it's not good. It's never good to burn yourself out like that and to, to push yourself to continually um, do something that's difficult, you know? So, yeah, as a, as a interested outside observer, I, I feel like, you know, you find this place geographically that resonates with both of you guys. And yeah. so that removes one roadblock, but then you got to hustle your asses to build a business from scratch, which has a whole nother set of problems. So now you're dealing with kind of the, you're in paradise, but you got the same stuff you're dealing with, Yeah, you know? So now you're fortunately, you're in the position where, you know, you've got a wife and a partner who's will handle the parts of the business that, you know, that you don't have to, you know, so you guys can share that load and you can, if for, to me, again, as an outside observer, this looks like the final piece almost is that you can come home, so to speak, to what you're, you guys are in, geographically in a place that you want to be in. You have a practice built to the, to a point where you, it can support this kind of focus, which who wouldn't want that? I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, I was just walking this morning cause it's sunny for the first time in a long time. And it, you know, it's, it's just, everybody's out and so happy. And I was just walking and I was just like, you know, I mean, I think like many people, it's, uh, whenever something's going good, you're always waiting for the bad thing to happen, you know, <laughs> but, but I think like we have really worked hard enough and, and, and we have that, per- like you're saying, I mean, I couldn't have, I couldn't do it without Amanda. Like there's no, it's not, it doesn't happen without her. So, you know, it's like lucky. pretty lucky but we we also worked pretty hard so we 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 took advantage of the luck and the privilege that we that we have and continue to have so i want to mention before we go um the you know the one of the other interesting things is that i've been able to like i said follow your thought process online so Mm -hmm. you started the blog when you were in school Mm -hmm. which i mean all those are all those archives are available right most the, of them. Yeah. I did take down some things where I was just like, <laughs> I mean, cause I wrote, I wrote that blog for, especially for the first two years in 2007. Yeah. 2007 to 2009, that period of time I was writing a lot and it was mostly just like to communicate 
my notes in a way, like um, just my thoughts, you know, that you're going through school and you're learning all this wild stuff and like, um, and then connecting with people like, you know, you and Brent Stickley and all these people that I've connected with, with it, it I learned a lot about the medicine through learning more about what people were doing and stuff. So, um, so there was stuff I took down just because it was just, or it was like meta, you know, like stuff about the 2007 blog carnival. And, you know, it's like, I don't think people need to see that. Yeah. But we should mention that, that you've got some online courses that you've, I mean, that's how yeah. we started yeah. interacting was through those online offerings. And do you want to talk about that for a little bit? Yeah. So, I mean, so the site has like gone back and forth and, you know, cause when you're in practice and with all the teaching, I, I didn't do a lot with it. And so it was, it's, it was deepest health and then it was Chinese medicine central and now it's deepest health again. And so I'm just, I'm just now like cleaning it all up and I've, you know, gotten the, the content back out. And so I traditionally have taught a series of business courses and then the Shenong herbs course, um, which you've taken. Uh, and right now, because of all this time that I have and, and energy, um, I'm re rewriting all those courses and have been in a like month long writing bender of just, in the most intense outlines anyone should ever want to see in their life. And um, so like Shenong will have a 2.0 version coming. So there's no courses that are actually for sale right now because I took the old courses down to, to put the 2.0s out. But if, you know, if, if anybody's interested there, the newsletter will talk all about all the offerings as they come. So, um, so there's going to be a lot coming out in 2021. So we should clarify that you practice classical Chinese medicine. You know, most of most of us are trained in traditional Chinese medicine, and so could you just give a brief uh, difference sure. description? Yeah, yeah, and you know, and I think that it's one of those things that for me there was a real clear demarcation when I first graduated, and then the uh, long, longer I've gone, the less of demarcation there really is. But but uh, my training was from the classics, so we we didn't learn, um, you know, quite like we learned the classical formulas. We learned, you know channel theory before we learned point prescriptions um you know we learned to read some classical chinese you know some folks more than others um and then you know we learned some of the more inner traditions a little bit more deeply you know we learned qigong and um and then you know most of all just tried to root ourselves in classical um physiological and pathological theories um, so, you know, we're much less, we don't learn all the same t TCM point prescriptions and formulas. There's some formulas I'm just wholly unfamiliar with that, um, you all know really well. Um, but we know the classical formulas quite well. Yeah. So, so it's, it's really more about the grounding, you know, it's, a, it's about where you, where you stand, you know, we tend not to bring in biomedicine as much. Um, we definitely don't, we try not to do stuff like say, you know, lung seven is a pneumonia point for instance, right. You know, more, more looking at the, um, the energetics of the system and, um, and, you know, it depends on the theory and it depends on the book and the tradition and the lineage and stuff. But yeah, so I, I, I would say that's, it's, it's more about where we stand, you know, the ground we stand on, um, to feed whatever, uh, lineage, um, we're, we're, we're in. Does yeah. that make sense? Yes. And it's, uh, I found it fascinating as someone who's TCM trained to, yeah, it's, to look it's at it from different. this standpoint. Yeah, it has, it has a different flavor for sure. And, you know, I think the thing is that, you know, when you're young and brash, <laughs> like I was, um, you, you know, you, it gets a little bit rah, rah, my team is better than your team. Um, 
But I will say that I think when people engage with the classics and when they also travel the path that the classics point down, whatever points they do and whatever formulas they use, they tend to be more effective. And I also just think it's a little bit more fun because it's it, there's that richness uh, that the culture brings um, that that when we kind of just memorize, you know, LU7 and, you know, just like these really point protocols, LU7 plus ST36 and all this kind of stuff, it kind of, it abstracts it to a point that I think for students, as a student, it is, it's really exciting and rich and wonderful to learn the, the classics. So some people don't take to it, but I think I, I enjoy it. For each their own. Anything that uh, I should have asked you, but I didn't? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think there's so much, you know, follow up that you could do about, because there's a lot of complications that I just brushed over about the herbs only transition, right? For one thing, uh, insurance companies don't tend to uh, cover it in the same way that they cover acupuncture. You know, so there's a lot of things, you know, there's doubtless anybody who has any interest in this conversation has had a lot of questions in their mind. So if you get any follow-up questions, I'm happy to talk about those more logistics. And of course, I'll be talking. There is a blog series. There's a four-point, four-part article series on the site right now. It's the yes. most recent thing. Maybe you can link to it. And that that goes through a little bit of the logistics. Um, and I'm just waiting on questions to see where I need to elaborate there. So, um, and I'll be writing more as things develop. So, very good, Eric. It's always great to talk to you. I really appreciate you talking to me, and I will come on anytime and chat some more. All right. Thanks so much for your time. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies. CIVT provides world-leading education in natural medicine, including three accredited postgraduate qualifications, industry-recognized certifications, and a wide range of evidence-based courses and webinars delivered by qualified and experienced practitioners. By bridging cutting-edge science and tradition, CIVT helps you to expand your treatment options to tackle your most challenging cases. And whether you're a veterinarian, veterinary technician or nurse, animal health professional, or someone who wants to learn more, they have the right course for you. Investigate their offerings at civtedu.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take the time to tell a friend and to give us a favorable rating on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for your support. We'll see you next time.